0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into What Makes Me Mad, a podcast where I discuss the things that make me mad. What is going on, everybody? This is episode 50 of the podcast. I'm recording it in a little bit different area today of the house. I am now actually upstairs in the kitchen recording since right now I am currently home alone by the time I record this. So um, I decided I don't have to go downstairs in a small confined area. I can just record right in my kitchen and have all this space to use. So that's nice. I My mic is literally right by my face and so I feel good about these audio levels and yeah. I'm ready to get into some of the stuff that makes me mad this week and all the other weeks that I jot down in my notebook and then forget that I have that I could use for a segment for and then I'm like oh yeah that's right I should put that on the podcast. So some of them are outdated but you know it is what it is and so a little bit of update on the podcast through 50 episodes now, as this one is episode 50. I've now made over $5 on the podcast. I got a, um, big boost, uh, out of, I forget where it was at. I think it was somewhere in Ohio. All 50, all like 49 episodes got like played or something. Do I think, uh, that's like, just like a computer doing something weird? Probably. Uh, I don't think that's someone that listening to Fortnite shit episode, but who knows, it could happen like that, and so I'm just gonna assume that it's someone that's listening like that, so I'm happy about it, and so, as I get a little bit closer to the microphone, there we go, I, uh, I have my earbuds in and I'm like, this kind of, this sounds a little bit loud, but, you know, I'm just trying to... Fuck with the audio levels as we go. Because I could have easily been like, you want to know what, I'll go beforehand, I'll adjust the audio levels. But then I'm like, nah, I'll just do it as we go. So, you know, just throwing everything I learned in like audio practicum and uh, reporting for news media, just all that stuff I learned about audio levels down the tubes. It's whatever, though. I, I don't care too much. As I said before, we don't listen. You don't listen to what makes me mad for the uh, technical side of it. Nah, you listen to it for the banter side of it. And so, I, as I was saying, uh, someone lists, uh, I somehow got, like, over 50 listens last week. Um, and so, that was enough to get me up to $5. And so, I'm happy about that. And, yep, I want to just, uh, prance into a subway and order a $5 foot long and, uh, use my What Makes Me Mad, uh, purchases for it. And so, I am happy about that. I don't know if I'll use that. I see, again, I don't know what I'm going to use, uh the funds that I get from what makes me mad, if this ever does take off towards a serious breadwinner, then, you know, maybe I'll obviously use that for myself. But then, who knows, maybe I'll use it for something good. And so, we'll have to see what happens. But yeah, I only got $5 in the bank from this podcast. so, I, I do it for the fun and for the passion, I would say. And I do it for people at home listening that are like, Man, I've got things that make me mad, but I'm too, but I'm afraid to share them. And I'm just like, I'll share them for you. I'll come on here and I'll vent about it. And so, uh, that's what I do. And so, yeah, that was a little update on the podcast. So, things going good there as well, too. Um, and so, I'm happy about that. And so, I am ready to get to the things that make me mad. Oh, before I start, though, I would like to point out something. Past couple episodes, uh, I wanna call this like a retraction or, or I forget what it's called in the journalism world, but it's like when you mess up something and then you have to write a retraction, I think. Yeah, I'm not saying this is that, but a um, couple of episodes, I was talking about the University of Wisconsin Whitewater's Chancellor. Uh, Being on like paid leave while an investigation took place, and uh, I don't, and I just want, and so basically, an update on that is Chancellor Watson has resumed his role again as chancellor. Uh, The board looked into the claims of uh, sexual harassment. It was I was reading in the paper today, Uh, so it was not anything related to drugs, like the rumor that I had heard, and so I um, just wanted to point that out that I'm glad that the investigation took place. As I said, I was a big fan of Chancellor Watson during my brief tenure at Whitewater when he was there, because for a while I had Copper, and then I had Interim, and then I had Watson for like my last year, and so I was really happy with how he was as Chancellor, but as I've said, se- I don't know if I've said it on here, but my thoughts on like investigations are... If, uh, there is like nothing then they'll find nothing. Um, but if there's something there, then the board would make the right decision. And so uh, it looks like, and that's why like, I feel like we've kind of turned into a guilty until proven innocent society. And when in reality we should be an innocent until proven guilty. So I didn't want anyone to get the false impersonation that I was hoping that like Watson would get fired or he was doing bad things. Um, I'm sure I said, like, you know, the investigation has to play out. We'll see what happens. But, again, that's why I like having the investigations play out. Watson now gets to resume his role in Whitewater, which I'm happy about because I think he's a great chancellor. And I really want to see that play succeed. So the only downside is, is that I can't run for chancellor of Whitewater. So that's unfortunate, but I can still do my Podcast episodes about the stuff that, uh, uh, how ways for Whitewater or colleges to save money on, um, on, uh, just how to save money because, as I said before, a lot of them are just in debt. Uh, both public and private are kind of facing a serious dilemma, um, especially with COVID. Uh, a lot of students not really returning. And so they're trying to, like, make money, but a lot of them are in the hole financially. We've seen uh, state budgets decrease uh, in budget size, Uh, taking away money from them. So then students get charged more money. Uh, And so it's a real tricky situation because there's a lot of blame to go around. However, the two sides that get the most blame for it is... um, You know, professors and students. And that's pretty bullshit. That, um, you know, it's not students' fault that universities don't know how to properly spend their money. And it's not uh, professors' faults, Or it's not the fault of faculty that, you know, a university can't figure out how to spend their money. And so, it sucks that they might have to face layoffs. Um, I believe that's what's happening at Marquette right now, and I think that's a lot of bullshit. Um, the, the getting rid of faculty, I feel like, is not a solution at all. That's just kicking the can down the road. Um, we have uh, a lot of, I feel like, just administration, a lot of people in high places uh, that get paid a lot of money that should be the ones taking the pay cuts, the ones that make the big decisions. I always hate it when it's like, uh, a C, bunch of CEOs will get together, like a board of executives. Will fly in on like p- private planes and um, come in on their suits, and they'll be like, "Well, we can't take any of our sa- cut our salary. We'll lay off all these workers inside. And I I just think that's bullshit. Like for Marquette specifically too, since they're a private university, maybe uh, I don't know if you want to save some money. Maybe have the chancellor and all the people the top of the. Uh, board take a pay cut maybe there too because this whole thing of oh we're going to cut faculty to save the money it's just not a good idea I've said it before on these podcasts and I'll say it again um, that's going to increase size in classroom, put more stress on the remaining faculty also it's going to be harder for students to find classes I think I've bitched about before on previous episodes of me trying to get into classes um So sizes are going to be bigger. It's not going to be one-on-one learning and instruction, which I feel like people really thrive in for college. And it just frustrates me. And so I really hope Marquette makes the right decision and they're like, you're not going to get rid of the faculty. That's why I really like the students over there stepping up and being like, nah, this is bullshit too. Because a lot of students like deeply care about their faculty members and like, Develop a connection with their professors. I know I've done that at Whitewater. And I, getting rid of like a certain amount of professors to save some money is not going to help. And I know getting money more money from the state would definitely help. But they've also just a lot of schools around the area and just nationwide as well too have used that money poorly put in the wrong resources and so that's why our higher education has just been kinda of fucked up. Fortunately like I spent probably around forty grand um at Whitewater, um uh, and I feel like it's probably not worth forty grand, but I am happy that I got my degree. But it's you know, the professors gotta do gotta make uh out of their situation. And so I really hope Marquette makes the right decision on that. And then, like, even um, the UW Board of Systems apparently spent, like, $250,000 on a failed interim search for a president or some shit like that. And that's literally what I'm talking about. Gross gross misspending at the top of these boards and just everything. And they don't have any accountability for their mistakes. And that's bullshit. Like, if you're... Like, just that much money trying to fill a role that didn't get filled, and then finally they got it filled, I think, with Tommy Thompson. But it it just blows my mind. Like, how do you spend that much money and then be like, well, shit, how are we in debt? That's why. That's gross misspending at the top. And so all these colleges, especially the ones around the area, are just pissing me off because it's like, they don't know how to spend they're so worried about like the boards I feel like are so worried about just covering their own asses, getting their own money, paying their salaries, that they're not worrying about like the students they're supposed to, students and faculty that they're supposed to serve. And so I'm proud of all those kids in Marquette that are speaking up about it and I'm hoping it gains some momentum. Uh, and you know I would love to see uh, Basically, our higher education problem in America get fixed. I know I don't talk politics on this, and I, I try not to, but, like, this is, like, people's jobs and, like, careers at stakes. And as someone that has seen his dad have to get laid off at a job for about two years and then have to transfer to a different plant about six hours away uh, from our hometown just so that way he can provide food for the family. And I'm thinking about all that that all these professors and faculty might have to do just because if they're just like, oh, we'll just do that to cut the money. That's pretty cold-hearted. And, like, I'm telling you right now, it they'll be like, oh, well, it wasn't an easy decision. I feel like they think it's an easy decision, to be honest. And again, as someone that has seen what it does to a family and how much stress of a burden It puts on families like that's bullshit man. And so like as someone that used to uh, work at the plant or as someone's dad that used to work at the plant, you know, all these people get laid off or a plant gets shut down because of gross misspending at the top. And then they go to ask to wash they go to Washington, hey please bail us out, we need money. And then they fly in on, like, private jets. And it's like, well, there's your fucking start right there. How about get rid of the private jets? You know, how about you guys take a little pay cut up at the top and let that trickle back down and help other people below? That's how trickle-down economics should work, but it don't work like that. The top just tries to save it for themselves. And so, again, as someone that has seen what can, that knows firsthand what it can do to not only... A family, but think of all the other families around the area that also were affected by it as well Two Colleges provide a lot of jobs for a lot of families around the area. And so I don't want to just be like, ah, screw them, let them figure it out on their own. Do they need some more money? Yes, but they also need to figure out how to properly spend that money as well too because it just frustrates me. That this idea of just, ah, oh, we'll just look for layoffs and that'll be our solution. That's not your solution to a problem. How about get creative with it? Like, I come on here and make all the, oh, these creative ways for Whitewater save money. I can tell you right now, like, the looking to reduce rates for tuition or saving money on, or looking to save money on parking passes would probably help these universities a lot better than Doing these layoffs, like yeah, would it be a little small increase in like profits? Probably. Like would like they probably wouldn't save as much money, but like still would be better than laying off all those people. This blows my mind, man. We've got all these rich people at the top of the world, and how badly not just our nation is struggling, but you just look around. it's not just COVID that did this, like, COVID, like, peeled back the Band-Aid wound that uh, was our society, basically, where it's like, the rich run the show, and, you know, everyone else is getting stepped on, so that way they can remain uh, comfortable, I guess is where I'll put it, and so just... These colleges need to seriously figure things out because the situation is not going to get better. I know they rely on increased enrollment, but kids aren't really going to go to college when they're going to re- spend a ridiculous amount of money to go there because they're clearly figuring it out now. Hmm. I've seen a whole generation before us get thrown into debt, like as someone whose sister has talked. I've heard you know talk a little bit about our college debt. And I went, no, I don't want any of that. I'm saving as much money as I can. The university really won't care about it. They just more want my money, and it's like, well, guess what? That's my money, and I'm going to do everything possible to save it. And so colleges need to figure out that they need to lower their tuition rate, not charge so much to try to get back in you know, the black and get out of the red, If you lower your tuition rate, more kids will come to your university. I can guarantee you that right now. One of the things one of my professors was talking about was, I remember it was, oh, to increase enrollment for Illinois, Wisconsin, Illinois made a deal. Or like Wisconsin was like, we're not going to charge out-of-state residents this much or something like that. And so then we got more people coming to Illinois. And I think that's how it should be just everywhere. Like out-of-state shouldn't get charged more money. Uh, Again, I'm not too familiar on that because I am someone that went to a college that was right next to his hometown. So I'm not too familiar on like going to a place out of state. Um, But that's how it should be. If you want more kids to go, I know it'd be like, oh, you'd lose, yeah, more money. But then you'd also be getting more people coming to the university and spending money there maybe that would be a better solution. But I just really hate the idea of layoffs. So I know um, Whitewater was looking at that again because their situation not getting any better, especially with COVID because it's going to be like the biggest gap year that kids have taken. I don't blame them because you see the situations that are happening um, around uh, campuses as well, too, as COVID cases are spiking. Um, obviously, students there have to take better precautions, I feel like, not go to house parties and everything and just be smart, but also, too, the universities should have known damn well what was happening. I had some people over on Saturday, a small gathering, might I add, um, and we were just talking about that, and it's like, they're gonna fucking bring all these kids, especially freshmen, to the campus, oh, everything will be okay, just... Bring, bring a mask and some hand sanitizer. You'll be good. And it's like, nah. And they're going to send them back because it's like, oh, we didn't expect this COVID case. Yeah, you should have. You should have expected it. As I've said, Whitewater, we got sent home and there weren't even co- any confirmed cases yet. And then we didn't go back. And then they're trying to do it now with a bunch of cases. They're charging more for online, and then still all those kids that are going to get charged all that housing, and they have to live by all these rules, and then they're probably going to get sent home super early. I, again, I also think Whitewater's decision to try to have everyone go until Thanksgiving and then shift to online was just not a right. Was just really dumb. Like I, you could have clearly saw from all the other states that were reopening their campuses back and having to send kids back right away, it wasn't worth it. And so that that's basically, I think, how much time I'm going to spend on that. It's just really frustrating. Um, these people uh, that are in the higher uh, wealth regions, I would say, are more looking out for themselves. But if they gave just a little back in return and didn't... Uh, lay people off to cover their own financial blunders. uh, That's just not cool. And it frustrates me. Like, I wish I would be like, oh, that makes me mad. Like, no, it seriously frustrates me having to watch people get laid off because, again, I've seen it with my own eyes. Um, It's just not a good situation. And I just think it's really dumb that people get laid off because of gross mismanagement spending at the top of the chain and they're not going to be the ones that have to deal with that situation said the faculty and students will be so marquette whitewater madison any other uw school uh if you're listening please figure out your shit please find other ways to um find to one spend your money wisely two Look for ways to try to um, save or like gain money or save money that does not include uh, laying people off. So that is like my biggest takeaway from maybe not just this episode, but this segment as well too. Don't look to lay people off. It's really dumb. You can offer early buyouts. Fine. I can get that for people that maybe want to retire early. That's fine. But laying off Faculty is just not the proper response. And so I just wanted to get that out because it's like I kind of started thinking about that and I got on that track. And so I was like, I got to do some bitching on that. And so now that I got that out of the way, I feel like I'm ready to uh, get into some of the more, I guess, fun stuff that would make me mad, the more lighthearted stuff. Oh, actually, before we get into that um. The, your little weekly, re, uh, edition of, are things better in the world, uh, than when I last recorded, no, half our government got, like, COVID, so that's cool, um, yeah, yeah, that's, I've got opinions on that, but as I said, I'm trying to not keep it political, um, apparently they, they just announced that, um, I don't know, some spot in the White House. I think they're like the West Wing. They're like, all right, now we're making masks mandatory. It's like, oh, you're just making it mandatory? Good job. Um, so, yeah, that's really cool. Um, hopefully, uh, we continue taking COVID seriously. Uh, just because, uh, these people in the government are going to receive really good care. Um... And we um, aren't going to have like the 24 hour access, all these available doctors or resources that they're going to be able to use. Uh, So don't just think, well, see, everyone survived. COVID doesn't matter to me. Like, no, seriously, like, please take it seriously as Wisconsin is still seeing a surge in cases. Um, Hopefully, I think we're maybe in the plateauing right now. I hope. Um, But a lot of hospitals are starting to fill up. And then also too, please remember, uh, if you think you're healthy enough and that you would survive COVID, um, just please remember that you could be asymptomatic enough that you could give it off to other people, uh, who might not be as lucky as you. And so my whole thing, or that I've kind of figured out is if I get COVID, I will most likely survive, but I don't want to run the risk of giving it to my mother or father or grandparents because I don't know if they would. And so I don't want to do that. And so please just be cautious for your fellow relatives or fellow friends that might not be as lucky as you. And so uh, that's that's how we're at in the world of our things better than when I uh, in the world than when I last recorded my last episode. Uh, they are not. But again, we're going to try again next week and hopefully uh, we'll have better news in that department. Okay, enough bitching about shit. Or like bitching about sad shit. I'm ready to get into some of the lighthearted stuff. And so, one of the first things that made me mad this week was it was the postseason and the Chicago Cubs must not have forgot or must not have gotten that memo because them boys did not come to play. And so what makes me mad is the Chicago Cubs offense only scoring one run in a two postseason series in games. How do you only score just one run in two postseason games? I get it is Wrigley Field in the middle of, or like in the beginning of October. It's not as warm. It is getting colder out. The ball does not jump as much. Sometimes you have to face a 20-mile-an-hour wind blowing uh, from the inside, uh, blowing back into the field of play, making it very hard to hit home runs. But guess what? If you can't hit a home run, try to hit it just a single and move guys along as contact-wise. Do you know how frustrating it is watching a Cubs game, watching them all try to swing for the fences every time? I love Javier Baez to the moon and back, might I add. But it can get frustrating watching that man go up there, try to crush every pitch he sees and try to hit it to Peoria, Illinois, and instead will strike out. Uh, This year we have witnessed a lot of Cubs players uh, hit well below their average, which we kind of figured during a COVID year, and uh, as well to the MLB now restricting their access to watching in-game film, which I'll get into a certain team in a second as well too, but I have witnessed these boys just slump very much throughout the playoffs, and so that was frustrating, that made me so mad watching them go up on their one run off a solo home run by Ian Happ, everything else, couldn't get anything going, squandered two nice pitching performances. And that might be the last time that that squad kind of all gets to play together. So if it is, thank you boys for bringing that one championship to Chicago. And any McCurse. We will forever look at U.S. Kings as they should be. What a magical time that was. God, 2016. The beginning of 2016. Or right until October. Was a magical time in the world. Um, And even 2015. 2015 as well too. The year where they... Uh, came out of the cellar and playing great baseball. And it was Lester's first year. And I believe Madden's first year as well, too. And we were just kicking ass and taking names. We got first, or maybe we got second place in the NL Central. I don't know. But we beat St. Louis at the Divisional Series. And the, or, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember it. We, it oh God, the. I'm just thinking back to 2015. What a magical time that was. Let me tell you something. I think that was the year that Packers made did the run the tape. Or no, maybe that was next year. But Packers were playing good. So we had AR at the helm, of course. And then we had um, the Cubs as well, too. So fall 2015. And that was also the year I was on varsity for soccer. So a good time. But now is the year that the Cubs came kind of from out of nowhere for the outside world. Cubs fan base knew they were going to be good at some point. I even have a comment that someone was like, someone had put on one of my Facebook comments. I was like, oh, Cubs suck. And I'm like, hey, man, 2016 or earlier, they're going to be good, man. Mark my words. And guess what? 2015, them boys were really good. And so that was the year we beat the Pirates in the wild card game. Schwarber hitting that ball all the way out to the river. And then we beat the Cardinals. Divisional, and then we lost the Mets in the championship series, but that's okay because the Royals won it that year, and that's okay. I believe, yeah, yeah, the Royals did win it, and so I was happy for them because they had lost the year before. But twenty fifteen, God, what a magical time! Magical time in my life, senior year of high school. I'm telling you, any time that I think back to now, pre global bastard. Uh, pre- Corona just seems like it was a simpler time and so even then I'm just thinking back God, what a time and another thing though but so yeah the cubs offense pisses me up pissing me off and still pisses me off I also like too that the guy that got the save in uh game two um former cub that we could have just signed easily to help fix our bullpen. Uh, could have signed him for simply like what three million? Nah, we couldn't do that. We're like, nah, we don't have any more money. We're one of the most valuable franchises in baseball. We have one of the top payrolls, but we can't sign a reliever for about two million more than the competition. We gotta let him walk. Wait, I have that come bite you back in the ass there, Ricketts family. But you'll happily charge me nine dollars for a hot dog. And then also two we also had to let one of our, uh, we traded for uh, Nicholas Castellanos uh, last year, which I was really happy about, and he played great baseball down the stretch. You would have thought, well, Cubs got to resign him, right? I don't even think we even gave him a contract offer. We just let him walk, sign with the Reds. It's like, hmm, maybe that could have helped our offense. Maybe, you know, the one guy that was consistent last year down the stretch while everyone else was struggling, but what do I know? I'm not a general manager. I don't own a baseball team. I only own this podcast. And so, Cubs offense, pissing me off. We stopped doing it. So, hopefully, just stay safe, though, for the rest of this uh, playoffs, Now, even though we're knocked out. But another team, though, that makes me mad that's in the postseason is the Houston Astros. And specifically, a player on the Astros that pisses me off. Goes by the name of Carlos Correa. Uh, For those of you who may not follow baseball, the Houston Astros, a couple years ago, were considered, I would say, like, um, the feel-good story of baseball. They're a team that had lost so many games all over the years. And, you know, I think that was the year they got hit with the Hurricane Harvey, or they had floods or something, and so the Houston Strong moniker was occurring, and the Astros went on a great postseason run with all their new young talent, and they won the World Series, and everyone felt great for them because it was like all those years of having to watch those hardships Worked out good, and as a Cubs fan, God, I was happy for the Astros. I also have relatives down in Texas. If you're listening, hello. But they uh, were happy about the Astros as well, too. Uh, And I think America was as well, too. Until a certain news story came out uh, a couple months ago uh, when a former pitcher of the Astros uh, that was now on a different team admitted to being like, hey, um... We were stealing uh, the signs of the catchers and figuring out what pitches were being thrown. And so sign stealing in baseball is kind of like an unwritten rule. Like you're really not supposed to do it. Sometimes when a player gets to second base and can see home plate, maybe they'll try giving a suggestion or something to the um, batter. But what the Astros did was they had like a camera in center field where they would like videotape the catcher. Uh, getting signs um, and then figure out what those signs were Um, and then it got to the point where they're banging on like a trash can or something in the dugout Um, so that way they could figure out so that way it would tell the batter which pitch is coming apparently it even got so bad to where um, they were wearing like a buzzer or something on their jersey and it would buzz what a certain pitch would come And so, uh, obviously, that's a huge advantage uh, that they have. And so, MLB was like, well, that's clearly, like, pushing the rules and cheating. Uh, And they went really light on their uh, punishment as well, too, for a team that won a World Series, uh, basically, by cheating. Uh, none of the players got suspended. Uh, the general manager and coach got fired. Um, players were granted immunity by telling the truth, which I think is really dumb because you don't see that play out in a court of law. Uh, you'll maybe give like someone like immunity, but you don't give like the entire squad immunity. Um, and so they uh, they didn't get the World Series uh, taken away, which. I honestly think is the right call because I think there are other scenarios that we look at back at baseball, whether a team being on steroids or a team throwing a world series because of gambling. I don't know. You can clearly put an asterisk by it and be like, Hey, this is what they're doing. Make your own impressions on it. Um, but um, their suspension or they didn't get suspended. And so their general manager and uh, coach got fired um, and suspended as well, too. It, the, basically, it was like got suspended and then was fired. Um, and then uh, they got fined like $5 million and lost a bunch of draft picks. And, but so instead, you would think the Astros would have been like, because don't get me wrong, teams in sports leagues have cheated before. Um, whether it's like football, um, college sports specifically, there have been violations there. A lot of times when they get caught, they're like, all right, we own up to it. You know, this won't happen again. We're going to clean up the program a little bit. Uh, the Houston Nationals were basically like, uh, oh, okay, we got caught, but we don't know why everyone's mad at us. Um, and the reason why uh, we're all mad at you is because, um, one, you cheated. Two, you cheated in one. Three, you didn't get any punishment. And four, uh, you act like, <laughs> We didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, you clearly did something wrong. And so instead of just being like, all right, you know, we own up to it. This is what we should do. We'll take whatever punishment we get. We'll work with MLB. You know, this is something we thought was a good idea in hindsight. Now uh, we look back at it and we shouldn't have done this. But instead, uh, they take it as, uh, oh, everyone's out to get us. Uh, We're going to... have to, uh, it's us against the world, right? And so Carlos Correa, after they beat the Twins in the first round of the playoffs, uh, I forget what he said, but it was some blowhard comment about, oh, this, or like, oh, what are all the haters gonna say now? Uh, like, oh, congrats, you beat a team in the wild card round. Um, all your batting averages this year were well below what they normally are in your first year, probably without the sign being able to steal signs. Uh, we all think your World Series ring is tainted, and we all think you're a bunch of D-bags, basically. Because this whole, this what do you guys think now? It's like, oh, cool, congrats. You still cheated, and we're still really pissed off at you. Like, you want to know what? If y'all win the World Series now... And prove to us that yeah, it wasn't. It was our talents that got us to win the World Series, and not us stealing signs. Like fine, I'd get that then. But then, Chris Carr- especially has been the one that's been pissing me off. Because remember when all this was breaking out at like spring training or whatever? I think is when it first came out. Ken Rosenthal was asking Carlos Carr- and Ken Rosenthal is a small reporter, but absolutely great insider. I love Ken Rosenthal. Carlos Correa, I'd say probably about, like, 6'3", or something. I don't know. But he looked really big compared to Ken Rosenthal. Rosenthal asking him questions. And Correa gets, like, really snipe I don't know if it was just, like, if he was mad at, like, America trying to ask questions question, or if it was just Rosenthal himself. But it's like, I always hate it as a journalist, uh, when people, like, get mad for, like, simply asking a question about something that you did or didn't do. And so he got, like kind of heated about it and so like it was kind of more like intimidation I felt that I would have if I was in Ken a shoe and it's like yeah you know that's not really um the first step of like PR of like owning um a crisis or whatever um is to be confrontational about it and so yeah I just love it they held the press conference about hey this is what happened and they completely made it worse And so now they have this arrogant chip on their shoulder that for some reason that um, they uh, think they're the greatest team now or like everyone's out to get them. And it's like, no, we're just pissed that you cheated and you got a very light punishment for just simply admitting that you cheated, which profited you very, very much. And so this whole, oh, everyone's. What do the haters say now? Uh, I will say that you ended up on the podcast because you clearly don't understand why the common man is mad at you. So, Carlos Correa, guess what? You make me mad. And the rest of the Houston Astros make me mad too. Yeah, we cheat to win a World Series. Oh, what do you mean everyone's mad at us now? What do you mean people are throwing at us? Yeah, we're the victims. It'd be like if a company got really successful, uh, but then they found out it was because of like insider trading or something like that, and instead of owning up to it, they were like, well, you're just mad because your company isn't as successful as ours. It's like, no, we played by the rules. Piss off. And so then, uh, one of the punishments, though, that got handed down was it kind of more affected everyone in baseball was, okay, access to a video during games is, like, going to go away, basically. And so a lot of players would watch films of their first at-bats, figure out maybe what they're doing wrong, which I could see maybe you're worried about signs stealing there. But I know Javi Baez said something about it, I think J.D. Martinez. But there are just a lot of guys around baseball that had slumped because they're like, we're trying to adjust to this. And so, the whole, it's like, you're supposed to punish the Astros, but instead the whole Major League Baseball got suspended for it. Or, got more of a punishment for that. It's like, how about just punish the Astros, make sure that no one ever does it again, punish them enough where it's like, yeah, you don't do this again. And then it won't happen. But instead they're like, It'd be like, um, maybe if like, uh, I I don't know a good analogy really for it. It'd be like maybe, um, if a kid cheats or something on a test and then the entire room. Oh, it'd be like if us, oh, okay. I got, I got a good analogy for it, right? It'd be like if, uh, a teacher administers a test, but puts it online And then finds out that one of the kids, like, broke into the software to figure out the answers for it. That's how he got his 100%. And so now, uh, no one can take the exam online. They all have to do it in person, uh, with a paper and pen. And that would throw a lot of students off because they'd be like, well, I'm used to doing it online. And, you know, I would have certain tricks or something that I could do. That's probably the best analogy I could use, but basically, uh... People do not like the Houston Astros. They make America mad. And when you make America mad, you make me mad. And so that's why you end up on the podcast. So it took me a little bit to get around uh, to that. And uh, But, yeah, when I saw Carlos Curry was like, Yeah, what do the haters say now? It's like, piss off, dude. Like, you should be taking the uh, I'm eating my comeuppets tour, basically. Like, you know, like, hey, we deserve we you should get punished. But instead, basically, it's like they're the spoiled kid that gets to break the rules, but then gets to continue breaking the rules because he didn't get punished. And so that's not fair. And so my one little thing that makes me a little bit better about everything is I can come on here and vent to, like, the 10 people that listen to this podcast and complain about how... Mad Carlos Correa makes me. And so the last thing I think that makes me mad as well too. It was National Boyfriends Day. A couple days ago. You want to know how I figured that out? Because I only saw like 16 different chicks put on their Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, any social media. You name it. About their boyfriend. And my question is. What are the... Why do they have to have a certain day of the week for it? Because I feel like that's all the time with people that are in a relationship. They always got post about the significant other. And so now there's a day made for it where it's like, yeah, you know how you do that all the time already? Well, here's another day of the week that you can already do it. You know, on like a couple, uh, like one of the first ever podcast episodes that I did was talking about people going to pumpkin patches and putting them on Instagram. That would be uh like if like I say the same way, like, you know, people put pictures of their significant other on their social media. Fine, I get it, you're madly in love with them. You have to share it to the world. Broadcast it. Do what you gotta do. You know, get those likes, alright? But it'd be like if for the net for like a pump going to a pumpkin patch they created, a ho- they created a day called uh, hashtag national uh, go to a pumpkin patch and post it on Instagram day. Like, you can already do that. And you don't need a day or a hashtag for it. And so you don't need a national boyfriend's day, alright? And are you saying, Cal, you're just only complaining about this because you don't have a girlfriend to post it on national boyfriend's day, Yes, you're absolutely right. That's why. But also, too, I'm just saying, they can post it any other day of the week. You don't need a specific day for it. No, like, days like National Dog Day or National Pet Day, that's different. But, like, National Boyfriend Day, we do not need. And I get that was probably just created by someone, and it's not an actual holiday, but... It, I, that, it, it's a lot, man. All right, I, I don't. I, I already see enough of that. You know? I'm just like, oh, we need a whole boyfriend day for it now, for you to post about it. Not like they already do enough of that. See, that was nice. I think at the two the two months that I was in a relationship with, I don't think I posted like any pics or anything like that, or like the times that I have talked to people. I haven't, like, posted, like, pics or anything like that. Because uh, maybe I don't need to broadcast that to people. Maybe I am happy. And maybe my partner is happy with the relationship that we're in. And maybe we don't feel the need that we have to broadcast it to the entire world. But maybe some people feel that they need to do that. Fine. Do what you gotta do. Do what improves your mental health. If that improves it, fine. But I'm like, a whole... A whole day dedicated to posting about your boyfriend. I... I I don't know. I saw that and I'm like... Can't we just have like another National Dog Day or National Golden Retriever Day again or something like that? We gotta have a National Boyfriends Day. I'm sure there's probably gonna be a National Girlfriends Day. But you know, it's whatever. I guess people that are in a relationship were like... Hmm. I need to find another way to broadcast more of my uh relationship to the world i got it we'll make a day about it as well too so we can do that and i'm just like "Mm, we got too much of that i think already well and you all know my issues about pda and everything like that and i don't know maybe maybe we don't need a day for it all right If you want to to post pictures of your significant other, fine. Do what you got to do. But I don't know if we need a whole day for it to... A specific day for it. Because that's literally every other day you could do that. I also feel like that's kind of a cheap cop-out. It's like if you're going to put something nice... Like it shouldn't have to be an obligation. Like be like, oh, I got to post it since National Boyfriend's like, No, post it because you feel it's right. Post it because you want your significant other to feel uplifted by it. And have it be like a pleasant surprise. With all these different pictures. That, oh, that would I would understand too. But I feel like then it would just be like, oh, I gotta post it. Because it's already National Boyfriend's Day or something like that. And, I, and if I don't post it, it's like kind of like on Valentine's Day as well too. When I look back at it, should I have maybe have posted a picture of my girlfriend on National Valentine's Day? Probably... But was the right, but was I more happy about posting about my dogs? Yes. Because as I've said before, and I'll say it again, the world needs more dog pictures in the world. So, that's what I do. But it's just like, especially on like Valentine's Day, I feel like it's like an obligation that you have to post on. And then it's like, then it loses like the special factor, I feel like. And so, uh, I I would just put, I wouldn't, like, post it on that day, but I would, like, maybe post it different day. So that way it's more of a surprise, because then they could be having, like, a bad day at work or something. Then you could post it. But just this whole, we gotta have a day for it. Nah, we don't need a whole day for it. I think that's gonna do it, though, for this week's edition of What Makes Me Mad, Episode 50. So that's exciting time. Still have not been canceled yet, so that's exciting. I'm happy about that. Seems like every day I I'm like, wake up and I'm like, well, guess I didn't get canceled, so I'm happy about that. Uh, and so, as I look, and I have just been informed by Bleacher Report that my bitching about Carlos Correa has come back to haunt me as the Astros have won Game 1 against the Athletics by a score of 10-5, to as Carlos Correa went 3-5, for scored two runs, knocked in four runs as well, too. Uh, But you can knock in all the runs you want, Carlos. You still ended up on the podcast, because you clearly don't grasp that situation of, hmm, we cheated and pretty much got away with it, and that's why America doesn't like you guys. It's not hating, it's just frustrating. So if you do it, again... Win the World Series without cheating? Fine. We'll be like, all right, cool. Like, we'll respect you guys more now. Maybe we'll be quiet about it. But it's like, all right, let's do it without it. Because now we have our suspicions. It's like a kid getting a 4.0 on the GPA and then finds out that he cheated. And it's like, all right, let's see how smart you are now. But, yeah. So, that's the stuff, though, that makes me mad this week. So, on a humorous note, I'm glad that the Cubs offense, uh, Carlos Correa, and the Houston Astros organization, and National Boyfriend's Day all make me mad. And then also again, too, I cannot stress it enough: uh, Marquette or any other school, private, public, doesn't matter. Layoffs are not the right idea because no one wins in that situation. I get. Times are hard, especially right now, as well, too. Uh, But this is something that maybe you guys should look at differently because enrollment was already declining before the Global Bastard hit. So it's clearly not the Global Bastard's fault. It shined more of a light on the issues. And so I really hope that They take the time, look at things on how to improve. Um, But yeah, cuts um, to faculty are not the answer, I feel like. So I hope is the big takeaway uh, on this episode. But yeah, thank you guys for listening, though. And I hope you guys have had fun uh, throughout the journey again through 50 episodes. Or if you just hopped on to that's okay too, if you're. More than welcome, go back list some previous episodes. Um, and if you don't want to do that too, that's fine. But always happy to have you guys on the journey. It's always exciting seeing where uh, people listen from uh, around the world, uh, around the states as well too. Um, and hopefully this thing can just become a world phenomenon and I can use this as a little uh, little inspiration, a little light of hope in this Dark and scary world, and so that's what I'll do. Keep trying to do. I'll keep coming on here and keep doing some bitching. I'm sure a lot of things will continue making me mad, um, and I will keep come and I will keep coming on here and sharing them with you guys because that's what I like doing. Even if it's for a small amount, and I'll say it before and I'll say it again. Like, yeah, if I could use that meme and describe it well, of like King Neptune making a thousand burgers. But he's not making them with love. I feel like that's a lot of podcasts uh, with like a lot of celebrities. They don't take the time to care about it, and they make them, and they already have a following. And they're like, "Oh, I have a podcast too," and they're like, "Wow, well, we got all this viewership." And I know one of my buddies was talking about that on one of his podcasts. One more last one, go check it out. Um, but <coughs> but they uh, were saying that like oh, all these celebrities, they have these. Uh, platforms already, and then they decide, oh, I'm going to make a podcast, and so it's like, and then they're like, wow, all these people listen, it's like, well, yeah, you already had the platform for it, I'm building this from the ground up, and so it's like the little Spongebob meme where Neptune's making thousands of burgers, but they're not made with love, but Spongebob makes that one burger Uh, what made it with love, and that's like me. I have a small audience, but I try to make all these episodes with love and caring. And you know, that's and I would like to think that the five or six people that regularly listen to this podcast are like, you know what, it works for me, and so that's what I want to do. I want, I don't want to like get big on this podcast and then change it up, so. But yeah, so again, thank you guys for listening. I always appreciate the love and support, and we will see you next time then. Thank you.